All right, good morning, church family. Whether you're in the sanctuary or online, I'm just so glad to be with you on this Sunday morning. In my spirit, I'm feeling the words that we always say as an affirmation of our faith, and that is the joy I have. Come on, somebody. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Somebody told me at New Morning Light Baptist Church that we're thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Amen? Amen. I, I, I sometimes have to be reminded of that joy. Sometimes we have to hold on to that joy because the world will try to take our joy. The enemy will try to deplete our joy. But when you realize that the joy you have comes from inside, that no one can take it from you, no one can degrade it, that the only thing that can stop you from having it is you not realizing that it comes from a source within, that brothers and sisters, that joy should be able to get you through. Amen. 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 I'm so glad to be with you on this Sunday morning and bring to you the preached word of the Lord. Before I jump right into it, I just wanted to say there's a lot taking place in the life of our church on today. We're having our church service, as you can see right now, online, and we will also immediately following service have the memorial service for Thomas O'Neill. He was one of our members that has passed on, and we're going to have a memorial service for that. And then after that, several hours later, we will have our trunk or treat celebration. And that will take place at Lexington Square in the Lexington community. No, we're not celebrating Halloweens with the demons, goblins, and all that stuff. What we're doing is celebrating family camaraderie and the happiness that can come through us just spending time with our community. Amen? Amen. And it just happens to fall on that day. Amen? Amen? So brothers and sisters, the reason why we do that and we don't get caught up in, in all of the pagan worship and the frustration of whether or not we're, 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 we're getting caught up in Halloween and all that, we take what Satan meant for evil and we use it as a tool to turn it around for God's good through evangelizing. We know kids will be out with looking for candy. We know kids will be, children will be out uh, dressed in different outfits that may symbolize things that are not of God, but we want to remind them that God is still real. Yes. And just like you can dress up like a demon or anything else, there's also angels that are equally real fighting those, those, those evil spirits. So we want to be a reminder of that on this day. And if, and if the dark forces can take over a day and celebrate death and all those things, too, we can be right there at the, at the cusp of death, at the celebration of death, still waving a flag, showing that God is still able and God still liberates us from our fears and God still is a sustaining power in the midst of all that's going on in the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm glad to have you all's participation in that. Remember, it starts at 630. But if you want to be a vehicle to participate and distribute candy, you can show up at 530. We'll be preparing and having all those things for that. So I'm excited to be able to join that community and serve that community through the giving of candy and food and the spirit and evangelism of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. All right. Nonetheless, I also want to remind you, Tuesday is an election day. Am I right? Amen. Amen. So we need to get out and vote. Amen. Amen. A, a voteless people is a hopeless people. Somewhere I heard that if you have issues with the taxes, I believe that's what we're voting on. This is something you need to use your voice to impact. Amen. Amen. So on Tuesday, 
Make sure you take that time, if you haven't already early voted, to get to the polls and vote and make your voice heard. I, I'm not going to tell you what to vote on and what to vote for. That's not what I use this pulpit for, but I will use it to remind you of the importance of your right to vote and the sacrifices that people have made for us to be able to vote. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. There's a word from the Lord. I prepared something for you, and you know I'm excited. I sprinkled a little bit of my creativity in this, so, so, so watch out. Make sure you hold on to your seats, because I got a word coming for you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our passage of Scripture is coming from Matthew chapter 14. That's Matthew's gospel, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. You can look at it on the screen or you can wait and pull it up on your phones or just listen to me read it. Whichever one you'd like to do is all right with me. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. All right, we got to go back and read it in New Morning Light fashion. I got to come through and say some things, put emphasis on some things so that it can strike your spirit and you'll understand exactly what we're preaching about today. When I say we, I'm talking about me and God because I'm not up here by myself. Amen. Here we go. I said, or the text says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. What did Jesus do? He made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. What side? The other side. While he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, what did he do to the crowd? Dismissed the crowds. He went up. Did he go down? He went where? He went up the mountain by himself. Did he go with anybody? Did he need family and friends? Did he need consent from the disciples? No, no, no. He went by himself to do what? To pray. To talk to God. And when evening came, what time of day came? Evening came. He was there Alone. Somebody say alone. 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 Brothers and sisters, I came to preach to you today about preparation in isolation. Come on, somebody. You all might know where I'm going with this. I said, I came to preach to you this Sunday about preparation in isolation. Now, this specific sermon may not be for everybody. This is for my strong warriors. This sermon is for people that are always the strong support system that everybody comes to to be encouraged by. That person that people always look to to be the savior in the family. That person people always put all their problems on. That person that everybody can call them, but they can't call anybody else. I'm, 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 I'm speaking to that person. So this may not be for everybody, right? 
If it's not, just let the chips fall where they lay, and you, and you tell the strong person that may not have heard this. You share it with them. Amen. Amen. But this one's called preparation in isolation. Here we go. Did you know that you can be alone and not be lonely? Did you know that? Let me say that again. I said, did you know you can be alone and not be lonely? There are actually people in this world that are happy and very comfortable by themselves. They'll go to restaurants alone. They'll go to the movies alone. They'll exercise alone. They'll go walking and shopping alone. They'll even travel, take trips by themselves and be quite comfortable. Some of you know those people. Amen? Amen. But there are also people that need people to feel complete. Huh? Now, we all need somebody, and God didn't create us to be in seclusion, right? That's why Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. For if either of them falls, one can help the other up, Amen. right? That's why in Luke, Jesus, once he appoints the 72 disciples, he sends them out two by two, yeah. right? That's why in the commandments, six of the Ten Commandments are about how we treat each other and the other four are about our relationship with God. And you probably heard the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So, so there's a necessity for an aspect of community. However, the problem is when we sacrifice healthy isolation. Somebody say healthy. Healthy isolation for communal gratification. You see, when we sacrifice healthy isolation for communal gratification, we are indirectly sacrificing communication with God for a feeling of completion from other people. Y'all don't get quiet on me on that one. Y'all come on and hit the like button on that one, okay? I, I, I said, the problem is when we sacrifice healthy isolation for communal gratification, we are indirectly sacrificing communication with God for a feeling of completion from people. Meaning we're, we're, we're looking for people to make us feel good. We, we just can't be alone by ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we're looking and putting more on people than we put on God. Sometimes we enjoy the feelings of gratification that people give us that we spend more time searching for that feeling than being in right relationship with God. Right? That's why Paul tells us in Galatians, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's what Paul says. You see, Paul shows us there must be some level of separation between us and the world. We as Christians must find balance between being in the world, but not conforming to worldly things. Therefore, this calls for some form of isolation and separation from people, family, friends, social media, and others' expectation and characterization of who they expect you to be. Yeah, yeah. 
we got to separate from that because that impacts our ability to truly be able to hear from God. When you got all that going on, it's distracting. It's pulling you subconsciously. It's pulling you spiritually, and you're not able to hear from God. That's why the chronicler in 2 Chronicles says, if my people, y'all have heard it before, which are called by my name should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, separate, get away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will do what from heaven? I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see that? There's a necessity for separation for God to truly hear you and for you to hear God. There is a correlation between separation and hearing from God and being healed by God. So therefore, there's preparation in isolation. This is a case of preparation in isolation. You see, some of us can't hear and haven't been healed because we haven't separated ourselves from the group, from the sin, from the feelings of affirmation we get from people and things. We haven't found that balance between being in the world but not of the world. This isn't our first time hearing this. I know what some of us are thinking. Pastor, that's a young person's game. I know what some of us are thinking, Pastor, I'm not running around out here trying to find friends. I'm not trying to be accepted. Those might have been my younger days, but I'm not doing that anymore, Pastor. I I, I need something else. Make it plain for me because I'm not hanging out anymore, Pastor. So so, so what you got for me? And and, and let me come down your street. Let me turn on your corner. You see... Some of us can't be along with God because we're so busy for God. Some of us can't be alone with God because once you get older, you, you may not be running around trying to find friends. You may not be running around hanging out at different clubs, different places like that. But you can find yourself running around being busy. Doing things for others, serving others so much you realize you haven't taken care of things in your personal life. Uh Uh-oh, I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. Some of us can spend so much time serving others, we forget that we need self-care. Some of us will stay late serving others but won't take care of home. Some of us will take care of a stranger than we will our own family. Some of us use the aspect of service and this service to God to really pacify things they haven't dealt with in their personal life. You see, we wonder why we don't hear from God and we wonder why we aren't being healed from God, healed from God, but are you Substituting quality time with God for self-gratification? Are you substituting time with God for quality time 
with other people because that feeling that they give you through the affirmation of telling you that you're so great, that no one else cares for them like you do, that no one does the things like you do for them. Are you, are, are, are you seeking that more than spending time with God? And brothers and sisters, we have to be aware that sometimes we can pacify emotions. Sometimes we can overlook things in our personal life through being busy. Through running around doing so much for others that we've conditioned ourselves to think that it's okay. But you're not okay. You're projecting the help you want for yourself on someone else. Pretending it's okay. But it's not okay. Brothers and sisters, Matthew 14, 22 and 23 says, Jesus dismissed the crowds. And then Jesus dismissed the disciples. And he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Amen. Then it says, when evening came, he was there alone. And if you don't get anything else from this sermon, brothers and sisters, I... I want you to pay attention to this. Watch this. Jesus understood when to stop. Jesus understood when to separate himself from the crowd and pray. Here we go. Come closer. Come closer to the screen. Lean in a little bit. It's okay. You can lean. I got a secret I want to tell you. Watch this. If Jesus needed to stop. And if Jesus needed to separate himself, if Jesus needed some me time, you best believe you need to learn when to stop. You need to learn when to dismiss some things from your life. You need to learn when to say, all right, enough is enough. I need some quality time. I need to be rejuvenated. I need to be restored. Enough is enough. You need to learn when to separate yourself from the crowds. It may not always look like going out partying and clubbing. May not always look like hanging out with the wrong people. It may be under the guise of doing the right things, but at the wrong time. Brothers and sisters, Jesus understood when to separate from the crowd. And this is what I call preparation and isolation. That there are times you need to get in your secret place. There are times, as Minister Troy Shaw would say, you need to steal away. There are times when you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, I'm a lover of your presence. You need to cry out to God and say, Lord, make me a sanctuary tried and true. You need to cry out to God and say, Lord, I need you here right now in my secret place. Even Jesus, the son of God, understood the importance of alone time. You see, this is a case of preparation in isolation. Before you to get the, the full backdrop of what's going on here, you know at New Morning Light Baptist Church, we don't just read scriptures in isolation, amen? amen. We read them in the context of the chapter therein and, and the book of the Bible therein, and you begin to realize that this one scripture is a part of a compository, a library, a section of other scriptures and verses that lets us know it's something deeper going on in the text. So therefore, we must add context 
to the text. I got to give you a little background story before I give you the gossip. Amen. Here we go. Matthew chapter 14. What's going on here is that Jesus's cousin has been executed. Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. Yes, this is John the Baptist that says, there's one that's coming after me whose sandals I'm unfit to tie. This is John the Baptist who baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. This is John the Baptist that when he was in his mother's belly and Mary showed up, she jumped or he jumped in his mother's belly because he could feel the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is that John the Baptist that said, are you the one that's come to save us? Jesus' first cousin has been executed by King Herod, the Tetrarch. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is grieving. Jesus is trying to mourn. You see, King Herod killed John the Baptist because his brother had died, right? And he had taken his brother's wife, and, and John the Baptist was calling him out for it was saying, it's not right for you to be with your brother's wife. You shouldn't do these things. And his brother's wife didn't like him for saying that. So his brother's wife's daughter came dancing for King Herod and, and his council and some of the other leaders, and, and he danced and, and pleased them. She danced and pleased them so much that he promised her half the kingdom and anything else that she wanted. Makes you wonder what kind of dancing she was doing. Hey, man, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm be honest. What, what, what kind of dancing was that she was doing for those men? But brothers and sisters, he promises just about everything, and she's young and doesn't know what to do. So she goes back to her mom and says, well, what should I ask of the king? And she says, oh, I've been waiting for this. And she says, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The young girl goes back and tells King Herod, and he's upset and distressed, but he has to do what he's promised her he would do in front of the other men and other council members, so therefore he kills John the Baptist. John's disciples come and get the body, and they go back and tell Jesus. And the text says at verse 13, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there into a boat to a deserted place by himself. That's the first time he went to be alone. But just like what happens when we often try to find solace, when we often try to find peace, guess what? The people heard that he was somewhere close by. And it said, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the town. And that's just like whenever we try to get some alone time, whenever we try to get peace, it's almost like our problems find us. It's almost like the phone starts ringing. It's almost like everyone and everybody needs something from us. People that we hadn't heard from in years will just start reaching out. The Lord told me to give you a call for some reason. And you start thinking, was that the Lord or the enemy? Because I was trying to get some rest. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. And brothers and sisters, Jesus was trying to grieve for his cousin. But here we go. The crowds come. And it says when he sees the crowds... He has compassion on them. So while he's trying to grieve, while he's trying to take a long time, he has compassion on somebody else. This teaches us something. That sometimes our servant spirit, sometimes our desire to help, 
supersedes our necessity to rest. You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can know you're tired. Sometimes you can know you need to just sit down and take a weight off, but, 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 but somebody comes with a problem, and before you know it, you've already agreed to help them. And brothers and sisters, even Jesus fell victim to this. He had compassion in his heart, and he just goes, and the text says he starts healing their sick. And it says it gets late in the day, so he's up all day healing people while he should have been grieving. While he should have been taking quality time and the disciples say, well, it's time for us to dismiss them. It's getting late because they need to go and get something to eat. And you can tell now he's worn out because he starts getting short with the disciples. I'm trying to teach your Bible. Stay with me. And watch what he says. He says, you feed them. You go and feed them. And brothers and sisters, what's ironic about this is that the disciples, they go off for a little bit. Realize they didn't have enough resources. And they come back to Jesus and say, well, we only got two fish and five loaves of bread. And there's 5,000 people out here, Jesus, and we, we just don't know what to do. So now he's, he's heard about the loss of his cousin. He's upset, trying to grieve. He sees these people. He heals them. He tells the disciples to go, you, you, you handle this for me. Can, can you do something? I can't do it all. Just, 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 just handle this, this piece for me. And they go off like they're going to handle it, but then they come back, and they still need help. Yes. You know those people, when you try to get help, can you take care of this for me? Can you just do this piece for me? They go off for a little while. Then they come back and just need one. one, one thing. Now, did you say do this? Or did you say, do, can, can you, 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 you know, bro, 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 brothers and sisters, Jesus deals with the same Negroes. Jesus deals with the same people. Jesus deals with the same issues. And brothers and sisters, he's upset. And he says, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take the fish. I'll take the bread. And I'll make it enough for the 5,000. And really, it was more than 5,000 because it was some women and children there. And brothers and sisters, he takes two fish and five loaves of bread and is able to feed over 5,000 people. So watch this now. He's grieving. He's healed the sick. He's fed 5,000 people. And at this point, Jesus really don't have much left. Jesus is tired. Jesus is frustrated. And now we find him in the text, dismissing the crowd and dismissing the disciples. Have y'all ever seen how that works? You all see how the text moves together. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knew it is impossible to give to others and not take time to care for self. That sometimes we can spend so much time pouring into others, we forget we need somebody to pour into us. I brought something for you. Sometimes we have people, here we go, that want our attention. That's our cup right here. Sometimes we have people that come asking of our love. Sometimes we got people that we may not even know that need so much of our time. Then we got those family members, they come asking for money. And if that isn't enough, then to wrap it all up, 
we got people that want us to give so much emotion to them and their situation. And brothers and sisters, guess what we do? We try to give a little attention. I might make a mess, but y'all get the picture. We try to get a little love. Then we run over here and try to pour out more emotion. And then on top of that, somebody needs a little money from us. And then on top of that, we have to give time to our jobs. And then somebody else just needs a little bit more love. And then the last little group just, 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 just wants some attention. And, and, and by this time, we, 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 we have this point where we're just running around and we don't realize we don't have anything left. Yeah. That we're completely empty. And when we reach that point where we're completely empty, we can find resentment setting in. We can find frustration setting in. We must be aware that we can spend so much time taking care of others and, ma- and forget to manage our personal life. Amen. Amen. That we've lost sight of the fact that our cup is empty and we run it on in. Some of us brothers and sisters are just like this cup right here. And we hadn't been empty for a few months. We've been empty for years. And people are still pulling. People are still asking. People still want attention. People still want love. People still asking for money, asking for time. And you like, I've always been the strong one. I've always been the one that, 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 that people can come to, but who can I go to? Brothers and sisters, Jesus dismisses that. He dismisses the crowd. He dismisses the people. This makes me think of, as a chaplain, I, I, I get a lot of requests to do interviews and talks to people, right? And as a chaplain in the military, as you all know, because this is when I typically have a guest speaker come in and preach, I'm gone at least one weekend out of the month, and then there's typically a two-week training out of the year. So I'm supposed to get everything done on that weekend and in them two weeks. I'm really not expecting too many people to call me outside of that weekend and outside of those two weeks. But you can best believe they just text one thing, they'll just call one time, they'll just reach out. Chaplain, can you do this? Chaplain, can you do that? And I'll be looking at my wife. What day is it? Because I don't think it's the weekend that I'm serving. What, what's, what's, what's going on now? And then it can begin to build up to the point of which I'm working almost full time for what was supposed to be the part time job. Amen. And brothers and sisters, what's interesting about this, I had to reach out to my supervisor. and I said, how do you manage this? How do you handle this? And, and my supervisor said, Charles, I hope you learn this lesson now by me telling you my mistakes so that you don't have to go through this yourself. He said, if you don't begin to create barriers now by stopping people from reaching out to you and managing your time for you, you'll never regain that time for yourself. And he said, you'll begin to resent people and resent the situations you're in because they're constantly pulling, constantly asking. But you've always constantly been available. And while they've labeled you as the trustworthy person, while they've labeled you as the reliable person, you're feeling the strain of taking on all the weight. 
He said, now this is a subtle enemy. He said, it, it won't get you the first year. May not get you the second year. You'll feel like Superman. You can take it on. But it's the accumulation of all the years after a while where people have been pulling, where people have been asking, where people have been needing, and they put you on front street for being the most reliable person and start sending other people to you. And then you realize you have no one else that you can go to. And brothers and sisters, my supervisor said, you need to stop that right now. By establishing boundaries. I, I said, well, how did you get past the resentment? How did you get past the frustration of people doing this and coming at you and asking you these things? He said, Charles, he said, I realized it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. He said, I kept saying yes. I kept letting them know it was okay. And I can't be mad at them for the approval I've given them. So therefore, it's not their fault. It's mine. They see that I'm in ministry. They see that I'm a servant. And people will unconsciously take advantage of that. And your mind will take advantage of you by telling you, well, just give a little bit more. It's your reasonable service. Well, just do a little bit more. But brothers and sisters, Jesus in the text tells us that you got to dismiss that that you have to steal away, that you have to go off by yourself. Amen? Amen. And brothers and sisters, we realize that Jesus dismisses the crowd and dismisses the disciples. And the text says he went up alone to the mountaintop. That means our first step in preparation and isolation is identifying the fact that we need to dismiss some things, that we need to separate ourselves from some things, and that it's through dismissing those things and separating ourselves from those things we're finding and creating closure. Brothers and sisters, what oftentimes happens is we don't create closure with the things we separate from. That's why they keep popping back up. Amen? Amen? What often happens is we just try to ease out, not say anything. Maybe they'll get the picture, ease out, won't realize we're gone. But brothers and sisters, Jesus was feeding 5,000 people. And really it was more than that. So he could have easily dipped off. Amen. He could have easily told the disciples, hey, I'll be right back. Y'all just handle them and I'm going to go get some me time. No, no, no. Jesus stood up, dismissed the crowd, said this is enough for today. We're done for the day. You all go on back home now. And brothers and sisters, sometimes you have to dismiss the crowds in your life. Dismiss some people in your life and say, hey, this is enough for right now. I've given you all I got. Silver and gold have I none, but I pray for you. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you have to put up some barriers. And Jesus teaches us in the text the barriers we have to create through creating closure and creating space. Jesus himself dismisses the crowds and the disciples. Now, what's ironic is if we go back to the earlier chapters of Matthew and Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus prays with the disciples. This is his inner circles. But what Jesus shows us is not only do we have to dismiss external factors, people that are just our associates, sometimes we have to dismiss people that are close to us. Mm. 
I know that's hard. I know that's difficult. Sometimes we have to dismiss those friends that are our best friends, those family members that are our close family members, not dismiss them permanently, but say, hey, I need some me time. Hey, I can't deal with this. Hey, I can't always be the shoulder uh, you need to lean on. Sometimes I need a shoulder. Hey, you got to create barriers. Because otherwise, you'll be resenting and be frustrated with the very ones that you need for support. So what Jesus does to deal with that is dismiss the crowd and dismiss the disciples. And then the text says, he goes up alone to the mountain. That means the next step in preparation and isolation is Jesus separates himself then changes his vantage point. So not only must we dismiss and separate ourselves, but we must create and look for different vantage points, right? Meaning we have to change the environment we're in to be able to survey the land a little differently, to get a different perspective, to change our mindset, brothers and sisters. You see, an example of this is when we watch sports, a football game. Right. Football game has coaches on the field, but there's also coaches up in the top box looking down at the field. Now, somebody might ask, why isn't enough to just have coaches on the field? The reason why that's not enough is because the people on top in the top box are looking down and they can see a broader perspective, a wider perspective of what's going on on the field. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we're too close to situations. Sometimes we're too close to people that that, that we can't see what's really taking place and going on. And we need to step back from people, places, and situations to get a broader view so that we can commune with God, talk to God, and have God help us open our eyes so that we can see what's taking place. That oftentimes can't happen when you're up on the situation. That oftentimes can't happen if you're still sitting in it and going through it. Sometimes you have to separate yourself. That's why Jesus goes up to the mountaintop, not with the disciples, not with Peter, not with James, not even with his favorite disciples. He goes up there by himself to elevate his mind. Colossians tells us to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So this brings us to the question, what's stopping you from separating yourself and changing your vantage point? Can you let go of those people? Can you let go of the environment? Can you let go of that feeling? What's stopping you from getting that separation and going up to your own mountaintop, changing your own vantage point? What's stopping you, brothers and sisters? Now, what's interesting about this is that you realize that from the separation, we create space through dismissing the crowd, then changing our vantage point. The text uses the language, but by that time, no, it says the text uses the language. Here we go. In verse 23, it says, he went up to the mountain by himself, and when evening came, he was there alone. I'm at verse 23. Come down to verse 25, and then it says, early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. You all see that? That's interesting language that they would put in there when evening came. 
Then you go down further, it says early the next morning. Where have we seen that before? Where does that look familiar? Come with me to Genesis. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and you go to verse 5, after every time God created something, it said there was evening and then there was morning the first day. Y'all see that? That's at verse 5 in Genesis. You come down to verse 8, go to the last sentence in that. What does it say? God called the dome sky when there was evening and there was morning. There was the second day. You come down to verse 13. What's going on there? Then it was evening and it was morning and the third day. What's this language about there being evening and morning? That we see that even in the succession process from the beginning of the earth, the symbolism of completion was evening and then morning. And brothers and sisters, what I want to tell you about this text is the gospel writers. You remember gospel means what? Good news. The gospel writers show us that it takes time to get to a point of completion so that we can truly be restored. That you just can't dismiss and separate for a day or so. That sometimes it takes time to complete the process. And what this writer does subtly is use the language from Genesis to show that it takes time to get that healing you need. When Jesus dismissed the crowd, it wasn't the next day. That means Jesus went off to that mountaintop by itself and stayed all night. He didn't go up there for 30 minutes, didn't go up there for just an hour. He went up there and stayed the entire evening, the entire night, and then the next morning he goes out to the disciples. And brothers and sisters, what we need to learn is sometimes we're not taking enough time to restore ourselves. Sometimes we're not taking enough time for the healing. Sometimes we're not taking enough time and we throw ourselves back in the rat race. We throw ourselves back in the hustle and bustle. We throw ourselves back in the demand that other people have for us too early. And we fall back in that cycle of resentment. It's almost like a scab. When I was younger, my mother used to get at me because I used to like picking at my scabs. I would pick at them to the point where they wouldn't heal fast enough. And anybody knows that if you pick at a scab too early, it'll start bleeding again. Amen. And it'll open back up. And if you keep doing that, it'll never really reach the point that it needs to heal. But the best healing comes from when you let the scabs fall off on their own. And brothers and sisters, the hard part with this is that we have to sit and marinate in the waiting. That's why the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Amen. That's why God calls us to be patient and wait and watch for him to move. Sometimes we're in moments of stillness, moments where we've been stopped because God is trying to allow us to heal. And brothers and sisters, we see here in the text that you must let time pass for the full work of healing to come to completion. You must let time pass in your lonely state and you being alone to fully be healed. Philippians tells us that I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. 
And brothers and sisters, we can't fully be brought into completion if we aren't letting time or giving time for healing. Now, this last step in preparation and isolation is communication with God. After Jesus dismisses the crowd, Jesus goes up on the mountaintop. Jesus takes time at that mountaintop. He just didn't sit up there and just look at the stars. He didn't just sit up there and count the trees. It said he went up there and prayed. The last step of preparation and isolation is communication with God. You see, you can throw the entire process away, but if you don't do this, you've lost sight of everything. You can go through steps one of dismissing the crowd. You can go to step two of even dismissing yourself and separating yourself from the crowd, but if you're not communicating with God, all of that is for nothing. Brothers and sisters, the time we spend by ourselves, the time we spend communicating with God allows us to receive the transformation we need. Amen? Amen. And oftentimes, we're spending time which we think is alone, but we're still distracted by other devices. We're still distracted by our phones. We're still distracted by our television. We're still distracted by ads and all kinds of things going on. And when you get in this secret place with God, you need to put the phone away. You need to turn the TV off. You need to pull your Bible out. And you need to pray. That's the only way you'll be able to hear from God. That's the only way you'll be able to truly be transformed by God. This alone time is essential to the nourishment of the Spirit. There is a correlation between alone time with self and alone time with God. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, come with me to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 6 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So therefore, if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, guess what? When you spend time with yourself and you acknowledge the God in you, you're spending time with God. And you're strengthening that spirit man. You're strengthening that spirit woman. And you'll never fully get it to its full capacity where it can work for you if you don't spend time with it. And you spend time with it through fasting, through praying, through reading the word, through coming to Bible study, through watching the sermons, through participating and understanding how God works in our lives. Brothers and sisters, this spirit man is what we fill up with the presence of God. This spirit man is what we fill up with with, with the comfort of God. This spirit man is what we fill up through the promises in his word. You see, now watch the evidence of this spirit. You see, after God goes up and prays, Jesus goes up and prays on that mountain, he's able to look down on the Sea of Galilee and see the disciples struggling. The text tells us, If you go down a little further, that the disciples are struggling against the wind and against the waves. And Jesus is up on the mountain looking down at the disciples. And what happens is Jesus comes down from this mountain and walks to the disciples on the water. And this should be the, the, the moment that we see what true transformation truly is, because what this shows us is the things that the disciples are tripping over. 
the things that the disciples are thrown off by, the things that are causing the disciples to twist and turn, being the waves and the waters, are the things that Jesus is walking on. Therefore, that teaches us that when we go up and spend quality time with God, when we get that alone time with God, the very things that unsettle other people will be able to walk through with peace. The very things that throw off and cause other people to stumble will be able to walk on with grace. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is now coming from the mountain, walking on the waters, and the disciples are distressed. And watch this. When the disciples see him, they say, is that you? Who is that? Peter goes so far and says, Jesus, if it is you, call me out on the water with you. And brothers and sisters, what that teaches us is that when we have a transformative moment with Jesus, when we have that moment where we separate from the crowd and then we go off in our secret place and then we pray and talk to God, the people that saw us before won't recognize us. They won't recognize us and they won't understand what's happened to us because we've had an internal, physical, mental, and spiritual transformation. And therefore, brothers and sisters, what we're called to do once we have that transformation is call people out of their distress. Call people out of their sea of despair. Call people out of the turbulent winds and the waves and onto the water with us. And Jesus calls Peter on the water. And what that shows us is, watch this, Jesus came down fully charged. Jesus came down fully transformed. And the good part about this is he had enough now to give to the disciple. So therefore, brothers and sisters, that teaches us that just because you take time to separate, just because you take time to fill up, doesn't mean people won't stop asking for attention. Doesn't mean people won't stop asking for love. Doesn't mean things won't stop pulling for your time. Doesn't mean your family won't start coming to you asking for money. Doesn't mean random people won't need emotions from you and all that type of stuff. It means that you have to know where to fill up to get your source to go back into this race. Brothers and sisters, I had this cup symbolizing us. And these little cups symbolizing the world. But brothers and sisters, when you connect to God through prayer, when you connect to God through fasting, when you connect to God through separating yourself, through dismissing the crowd and taking time to pray, guess what you do to that spirit man? You fill yourself back up. Guess what you do to your ability to keep going? You fill yourself back up. And that means every time someone else comes and they need a little attention, Every time someone else comes and needs a little love, every time someone else comes and needs a little time, needs a little money, needs a little emotion, when you start running dry again, guess where you go? You feel back up. Amen. And brothers and sisters, we need to know the source of our strength. We need to know the strength of our life. We need to know that God is an effervescent power that allows us to keep going and keep pushing. And brothers and sisters, I just want to let those know that have been the strong ones, that haven't had a shoulder to lean on, that have been frustrated by people pulling for their money, pulling for their attention, pulling for their time, pulling from their emotions, that there's a source you can go to. And there's a source you can be filled up from. And it's not going to come from the people that are pulling from you. 
It's not going to come from feeling the gratitude and satisfaction from feeling like everyone needs something from you or you're their savior. It's only going to come from you understanding who the true savior is that can fill you up when you're running low. And brothers and sisters, if you are struggling with that weight of the world, if you're struggling with wondering how you can have someone or something pour back into your spirit once you poured into so many others, I invite you at this time Mm -hmm. to reconnect with God. You see, the sad part is some of us know God. Some of us are very aware of what he can do, but we can become so distracted by these things. We can become so pulled apart by these things that we forget that we need to reconnect to him. And at this time, if you need to reconnect to God or if you don't have a relationship with God, I ask that you say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I invite you back into my personal sanctuary. I invite you to help me acknowledge the spirit man that is inside of me, the spirit woman that is inside of me, that is your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray and ask that you fill me up so that I can continue to be the vessel that you've made to keep pouring into others. Lord, I'm not asking that you just change my situation and stop me being a resource for others because apparently that's what you put me on this earth to do. But Lord, I'm asking you to fill me up so I can continue to be that shining light in the midst of the darkness. Heavenly Father, if anybody's watching this sermon that is struggling with their relationship with you or wondering where you are in their life, I pray that you would come into their life and reveal yourself through your grace and reveal yourself to them in the unique way that they need to see you. And Lord, I pray that it's through the midst of all of this that they're able to realize that they can't do it all by themselves, that they can only do it through you. So, Lord, let this time, let this day be a transformative moment in their lives where they can say, I'm submitting it and giving it all to you so that you can fill me up and so that my cup will overflow. In your son Jesus' name, I pray, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching and thank you so much for joining. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to keep in mind is Jesus Christ is the eternal picture that we can keep getting the source of life from, which is the water to keep us going so that we can pour into others. God didn't design us to be an empty cup. God doesn't want us running on E, but God wants us to be always operating on a full tank. And you can only do that from taking the time to spend time with him. So first, you got to dismiss the crowd. You got to separate yourself. Then you have to change your vantage point, like Jesus going up to the mountaintop. And then after you do all of that, you have to take time to pray and communicate with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you for joining And thank you for spending time with us. Up next on our message is now we will have our praise and worship song. And during our praise and worship song, I want you to meditate on how you can submit to God and stop submitting to your problems that give you the stress and anxiety you feel from day to day. Amen. Here we go. Almighty. Almighty. Incredible. Incredible.
for joining us and worshiping with us on this Sunday morning. It's been a good time in the Lord, and I've just been excited to bring this word to you about preparation and isolation. This whole month of October, we've been talking about the idea of what preparation means. And hopefully through this entire month, you've received it and understood a little bit more about how to prepare your spirit with the Lord. So now at this point in time, what I would ask you to do is stretch your hands out toward the screen. Those that are in the sanctuary, just stand up. Stand up for me. Stand up, yeah. If you're in the sanctuary, you can stand up. If you're at home, just stretch your hand out toward the stream. And we're going to do our affirmation of faith and our benediction. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I pray that the Shekinah glory rain down on the fingers of those that have their hand raised and that your grace and your mercy would shine upon them. Continue to keep them in good health, good favor, and to show your mercies to them renewed every day. Now, Lord, in a little small church in which I pastor, we love to say to you, the joy we have. The world didn't give it to us, and the world can't take it away. We're thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Amen, amen, and God bless you. All right, everyone that's in the sanctuary... Um, 
Oh.